sit down, take a chew and chew my money till we get it. Till we get it. Paul Wall in the coolest foot was ain't talking. Money speak, all that bullshit keep it. Run the side, run the side. Natalie, if you want to just kind of give us a tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Um, obviously, I know what you do and who you are, but JT's new to the group, and so are our listeners. Yeah, so um, my name is Natalie Kilmunkun. I am a breaking news and curious Texas reporter at the Dallas Morning News. Um, and essentially do is I work on a project called Curious Texas, which is where people ask me questions and then I do the reporting to find the answer. Um, but then on the other hand of that, I am reporting on breaking news. And for the last year and a half or so, that's included things like the Leaning Tower of Dallas. Um, it's included things like the coronavirus pandemic, the Black Lives Matter protest, um, and lots of other things far and few in between, um, you know, everything that includes like breaking news in Dallas and in, I guess in Texas as well. What's the Leaning Tower of Dallas? That caught my attention. That sounds like good news yeah, to me. That, that was one of the kind of the more memorable things that I had to start off with. Um, so I became a reporter in November 2019 and was kind of sent off to like lots of different um, breaking news events. Like, I, I don't want to minimize the impact, but like, you know, different crime scenes or not crime scenes, but like just different crime briefs, um, shootings, all that kind of stuff. Um, but right before the pandemic, there was a scheduled demolition of a building along a well-known highway in Dallas, uh, US 75. And this building went down on a Sunday. It was demolished, but only part of it went down. Um, and like the very center of the building, which held like the elevator, remained standing. And it would stood tilted against the skyline in a way where people were just like, this is the Leaning Tower of Dallas. And it stood up there for like 10 days. Um, and I was the reporter like working on um, just like the progress of the tower, because after that initial demolition, um, people were kind of like making fun of it and going out to take pictures with the tower. Um, and the company was like, the demolition company was like, we're going to demolish it. But it just like took longer than what people expected. And so the entire city was kind of learning about a demolition process at the same time. But it was dubbed the Leaning Tower of Dallas. It has like a Wikipedia page if you want to take a look at it. Wow. Um but it it was just like a fun little gag um, that like people just like not a gag, but it's like a gimmicky thing that like people kind of reference. Um, because after that, the pandemic kind of took over. <laughs> Mostly pandemic news after the tower. Yeah, we we talk about things, um, you know, before the tower and after the tower. Yeah. <laughs> <In> the <newsroom. laughs> That's like the point. We're like. Yeah, it was the turning point. It was it's like, like New York City, two thousand one. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> we are we are a comedy podcast, so you know we we yeah. make jokes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, which will actually be interesting. I'm actually supposed to be in New York on September eleventh. Um, it's like the twentieth anniversary, and I didn't even realize I had done that. Uh, Have you ever been? Yeah, we, yeah, I've been several times. I'm just going to see some friends. Uh, but I was talking to some neighbors and they were like, wow, you, I guess you went on a holiday weekend. And I was like, what? Oh, you're right. It is, it is an anniversary, kind of a significant one, but yeah, post tower and pre tower. It, it really was a turning point for all of us. Um, and then the pandemic happened and it was just like, okay, here we go. This is, we have no idea what's going to happen. Um, but this is something that, is going to be, I think we knew early on it was going to be very historical because of the way it all played out. And so it was a, it's been a very weird um, 18 months. Right? What did it look like for a reporter? Because like I was telemarketing at the time in like a call center, right? And yeah. I remember it was like March 13 or something. Everything yeah. was like, hey, go home. And then like, you'll maybe come back. You know, we're going to stay home for a week and figure out what's going on. We're like, okay. And then it just we never went back, right? What was that like for you? Was it the same thing where they're like, hey, come down to the news station or don't come down to the news station. It's on Zoom now. What was that situation like for you? So 
It was that same week, like March 13th, I think it was a Friday the 13th, when everyone was kind of like, we're not going to come back. Um, Leading up to that date, we had tested, you know, what a remote situation would be like that that Monday. Um, The reason why we tested it is because we are a newspaper and we do a lot of collaborative work, um, especially our copy desk. Like our copy desk, we thought we needed to be in the office to like, to make it work. And we did a test run on Monday and it was fine. Um, I think the reason why we anticipated having to do remote work is because we saw these cases start to build very slowly. Um, and just like reading opinions and hearing opinions from health experts, they were like, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's a virus that spreads. We don't know how it spreads, um, but it spreads quickly and it's contagious. So, um, that Friday, we decided, you know what, we're just gonna, we're gonna stay at home. Um, I remember having, like, if I hear a certain song, like a certain TikTok song, it'll bring me back to like the beginning of the pandemic, where everyone was making like that whipped coffee, um, and like doing two week ab challenges. Like, yeah. um, I, I remember that time very vividly, because I was also participating in them, but also just like, watching it all kind of unfold from like, the at-home perspective and so our newsroom leaders were like we're gonna start doing this from home um and everyone just like stay put until we figure out what to do next and it just kind of ended up being one of those things where it was like if you need to go out to a crime scene like be careful social distance we didn't we didn't know we had to wear masks at that point you know like early march i remember the first time i had to go out. I was living with my family at the time and I had to go out to a testing center. Uh, I think it was like early April or like mid April. We still had no idea what the heck this virus was. And I brought a mask with me just in case, cause I was like, this thing could be airborne. I don't know. But I remember being absolutely terrified to go to this testing center because we had no idea what, what was going on. I was like, if I'm going to catch it, it's going to be here. And I was like extremely nervous trying to talk to people who had been tested. And I was like, I'm literally, I feel like I'm entering a war zone. And so that was nerve wracking in the sense that like everyone else could be like safe, like, and be at home. And I had to be there like reporting on this stuff, like on the scene. I wouldn't compare myself to like a frontline medical worker because I don't think that's the same in any way. Um, I wasn't interacting with these patients in a very like close proximity, but it was nerve wracking because, you know, I was, I was having to leave the house. I was coming home to my parents. Um, After that testing center visit, I, I tried my best to social distance within my parents' home. I remember after the two weeks was up, my mom finally like gave me a hug and was like, I'm so glad I can hug you now. And I was just like, yeah, it, it ended up being fine. But like we we were taking extra precautions. Um, our, our editors were saying like, if you need to buy masks, make sure that you like charge the company because that's considered, you know, just like PPE for you guys to use as you do your job. But it was really freaky. Like I, I don't, no one knew what it was we were all learning at the same time and one of the really hard things was that people people were subscribing to the morning news at like a really high rate because it was we were reporting on things like happening in the community and so we started people started to realize that we were a reliable source which like i would argue to say that we we always have been i'm a little biased but people were leaning on us to kind of search and give them answers so i would have emails from readers saying like hey i'm feeling these symptoms should i go to the doctor and it's like well i'm i'm not a doctor i'm a reporter and all i do is report and and give you information i cannot make these decisions for you i went to journalism school not medical school yeah yeah and that's the thing like i was trying to be a journalist and like make information easy for you to understand i i and maybe maybe them asking me questions was them telling me like I don't understand your story, but that was really hard and very um, different for me because 
yeah, people were looking to us for medical advice, and it's like we are not trained to give you medical advice. You're like I was talking way. about the Leaning Tower recently. I'm, I know, more, yeah. I'm more that type of news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's also, I mean, that's another thing about being a journalist. People expect you to be the expert on like everything if you write about it, and that's not necessarily the case. Like you should know your beat, and you should understand like how things work and. Um, have an idea of like, let's say I was covering covering like the Texas legis- legislature. I should understand how that works, but I'm not going to understand like every single intricate part at the, in the same way as like a politician should, you know. Um, and of course, you would do the research and find all those things. But with the pandemic, it was so different in a way that none of us had ever experienced. And it was so hard having to like email these people back and say, you know, I can't I can't tell you what to do. This is this is what the CDC recommends. And that was that. Man, do you remember when we were washing off groceries? Did you do that? I remember yes. I'd bring my groceries in and wipe them down and wash them off. Did you? Yeah. Uh, so I felt really bad about having to Instacart everything. I didn't want to have to send someone out to like be possibly exposed, but I also didn't want to be exposed. And so I, I was using Instacart and like these people would like leave the groceries there and I'd like wait maybe like 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe it'll be gone by the time I, <laughs> I like touch them. But then I was also wiping down like just the handles and the bags and like every single container. Yeah. Um, I already filled weird. my sink up with water and vinegar and would put like all the fruits and veggies in there. <laughs> and like, cause I was like, I don't know shit, man. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea how anything works. And I was just like, we got to keep everything clean or we could all just fucking <laughs> die. Seems like random people just dropping dead and their lungs are exploding. <laughs> I got to fucking clean this off. Yes. Did that with everything. Um, and now I'm like, yeah, I wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's crazy to see like how we've evolved since then, like since last March, because like I was doing things like wiping stuff down. I would literally like go outside and like immediately take a shower and wash my clothes because I'm like, oh, it's on my clothes. I can feel it like that's it's disease ridden. Yeah. Um, and what else did we do? There was, I mean, we did a ton of stuff. I mean, cleaned a lot of doorknobs showed, myself. Yeah. Cleaned doorknobs like cleaned crazy. A lot yeah. Of doorknobs. Um, every time Katie or I went in and out, we were washing our hands. It's like, that's the first thing you're going to do. Just wash your hands. Yeah. Um, yeah, hands went through a lot of like soap. Extremely dry. A like, few months I was, in, I started working like a TV site thing, like a fucking TV show where they had to mm-hmm. test us every three days. And the medic would be like, Hey, put, uh, put hand sanitizer on your mask and like on the outside of your mask and we'd be like okay arnaldo and we put it on the outside of our mask and it was like yeah we're walking around with hand sanitizer on face getting tested every three (laughs) days isolating in the middle of the desert to make this tv show and it's like this is so weird (laughs) it was like this is crazy yeah I, I think once once the virus hit the states that's when our leadership was like we're gonna start planning something to wor- work remotely and i remember fucking like two weeks before like beginning of march right uh we're all talking about my team like talking about covid stuff and there's this girl that didn't show up for work and she was like i'm sick and we're like oh she has covid just saying that and then my manager goes like, oh, no, she doesn't even drink. And we we're like, you don't know what COVID is yet? And she's like, we, she thought we were saying like, oh, Modelo time. Like, oh, she has COVID flu. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we were telling her, we're like, well, there's like a bad thing going around like the world everywhere. Like, look in the news. I swear to God, this is my sales manager at the time. She's like, you know what's crazy is the cure for anything that's wrong with you is in your urine. And she goes, a lot of people could just be better by just drinking their urine. She said, it's true for cancer. It's true for a common cold. The answer's in our urine. And I was like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, How, why do you think that? And she was like, I used to have allergies. And then I went to see a doctor and he put urine <laughs> in a syringe and shot it at me. I was like, I don't believe that. And she was like, I was like, I don't think that's a doctor you went to go see. That's BS. And she was like, I swear to God. And then she, we all got sent home. And she was my manager when we were working remote at first. And I remember she telling everyone, like, just stay safe, be healthy, do what you got to do. And we all knew, like, shit. I mean, she's drinking her pee. <laughs> just laughing at us. Being like, you don't know. Oh, I'm healthier than all y'all drinking my own pee. As the months are going by and you're working remotely and still reporting on this, uh, what was it kind of... Like, I, I, I always remember last summer kind of like being the dog days of the 
the pandemic, it's just like, you know, initially thinking is like, this will pass, you know, at the end of the summer, like we're going to get out of this, but it's like, obviously that's not going to happen. Like what, what did that look like for you in terms of like what you were still reporting on or just, just kind of like your general feeling even at that point? Um, yeah, uh, I think one of the things that the breaking news team had to do was uh, a daily coronavirus roundup. And so we took like the four major counties in DFW and then there are some like smaller surrounding counties that reported the number of cases that they had every single day. So it was like this many positive, this many people died. Um, and they would, they wouldn't name these people, but they would say like, you know, a person, the victims were like a person in their sixties or a man in their sixties from, you know, the city of Dallas and a woman in her forties from the city of Garland or something like that. So like that we had to do every single day. And it was so depressing because you were seeing and reporting all these cases and this is something that like the breaking news team was left to do, which is fine because that's, that's what we do. But we were reporting deaths and cases every single day. Um, and then seeing things on social media, like think back to like July 4th weekend um, or Memorial Day, where there were some people who didn't take it seriously. So you were reporting things like deaths and then, oh, here are all these people celebrating as well. So like, if anything, it was like, frustration um because it felt like no one was listening um and the people who were listening were you know staying at home and trying to kind of like reach all those people who were like going out and celebrating which like at the end of the day like reporters are not activists they re they they just report information but it it just again it felt like no one was listening and it was so depressing as a reporter because I I think everyone else does have the luxury to like walk away from the news and I don't and, and neither do any of my colleagues the only way you could really walk away was to go on PTO for a week um, which was highly encouraged or like leave the industry drop your flags or, and get out <laughs> yeah or like die it was so depressing to have to report those every single day. Like no one wanted to be left with the roundup because it was just like, it sucks. It sucks to have to report these deaths. It sucks to see people get sick and there was like nothing we could do about it. So you mentioned it's like page one, here are the cases that are being reported today and you know, who's passed, who's newly infected. And then, Page four, it's like White Rock Lake is celebrating July 4th with a boat party. I think there was something similar here in Austin. It was like there was like that big boat rally with the Trump supporters on July 4th. But Yeah, that was the battle. Remember when the, the two boats got sunk? But It was wild. It was a wild time in the lake here. Gosh. But for you, like, obviously that would be really frustrating. It's like on one hand, you're reporting something very serious. But then on the other, like you're having to report something that it's like, Obviously, they're not listening to us. They're not taking it seriously. Did you ever think it's like, you know, you, you kind of think about that? It's like, we're probably like, they're probably going to be ne like next week's numbers. Yeah, all the time. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of a weird um, and in a weird internal debate um, because you don't want to, you know, shine a light on, you know, people who are disobeying orders like I, I don't remember if there was like a, a stay-at-home order in place at that point but you know people who are who clearly defy things like wearing masks or not social distance or like social distancing but the thing is is that like as a newspaper we we do want to be a newspaper of record we want to be able to say like this did happen because years from now when people read the paper they're going to see you know this on July 4th weekend, 2020, um, this happened, but also people like people weren't, you know, listening to, you know, what health leaders had to say or health experts had to say. Um, and that's just a matter of, of being a factual and historical paper. Like you, you want to be able to record that. Trying but to be, the, sorry, trying to be like reflective of society at that point in time. Yeah. For yeah, good exactly. and bad. Yeah. 
you said you got you know emails from people being like i have these symptoms do i have it or not did you get anyone that was just like stop trying to spread this liberal gospel or like did, did it ever get political with people reaching out or like was it was there ever anything it's just like you're having to deal with someone that's just like i don't believe a word you're saying like you need to stop what you're doing yeah <laughs> all the time um the the virus from my end um and from my experience was politicized very very early on so i can give you an example of like the roundup um we would report like people who got sick people who died um and a bunch of other different statistics like you know this many people came into dallas county hospitals um at you know this rate and like this per- this percentage of people tested positive or were like in critical you know kind of like a critical condition i would get emails all the time talking about reporting the rate of recoveries and they're like why are you not reporting the rate of recoveries like it's not that bad 99% of people survive this this virus and it's like well i don't report it because i don't get that information i'm only reporting what is given to me by the county official like, numbers only yeah, official numbers only. I cannot, I can't make those assumptions. Um, and so from there, people would say like, you're just, you know, giving us information that you want us to read. Um, you're not giving us information that's actually helpful. Like it's not that bad. The virus is not that bad. And it's like, we really are only reporting the information that's given to us. If you want to like, if you want to find it, you can always reach out to like those the health officials, but we're given this, these press releases and just we, ri- we write them up. And so that was really frustrating. I'll say that um, something I experienced last summer during the Black Lives Matter protest was that, okay, at this point we, we knew, you know, we had to wear masks, we had to social distance. So that's exactly what we did. Um, and I never once feared getting the virus while covering those protests. I covered like the the fourth, sixth, and then like, I can't remember how many protests I covered, um, but I would go out and just like talk to people. And I remember one woman I had approached and I, I said, I do this every single time, but I say, my name is Natalie. I'm a reporter at the Dallas Morning News. Can I please talk to you for a story that I'm writing about the protests? And she looked at me and she said, you're with the news? Absolutely not. Like, I'm not going to talk to you I don't trust you guys. And that was, I've had that happen to me before, but I think just, I don't know why that specific moment really, it didn't make me upset at the time, but like thinking back to it, I was, I was pretty upset with the way that she had reacted because it was kind of one of those things where it's like, we're out here in the community and we're, we are trying to get exactly what happened here. And like the only way we can be unbiased about this is to talk to people who are out here, you know, protesting um, and marching and, you know, here for a very specific reason. And I don't know that reason until you you tell me that. I think people do fear their words being twisted, which like has happened in the past with like other, I've seen it like, you know, people will say like on Twitter, like I didn't mean it like that, or you're taking it out of context or something like that. I get that fear. I do my best to not do that. I haven't done that so far, but and I don't intend to ever do that, but it's just kind of like, it was really, really weird um, to have that happen to me and in front of like so many people because everyone else was just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna steer away, steer clear from this this woman who's clearly like a reporter trying to just like, you know, make this into like something crazy or whatever and that protest ended up being really peaceful anyway so it wasn't like a huge thing but it was it was uh weird and like i've learned to like have a thick skin in being a reporter well why do you think that woman didn't want to talk to you that woman in particular what do you think when she said i don't trust you i don't trust was it the news or your news paper i think it was the news in general i was thinking about the idea of like a citizen journalist um and that essentially is where like you know people regular members of society um go out and report news um from their perspective which is really helpful 
in a digital age, but it's also, it also kind of sucks from like a professional journalist perspective because I am, I'm trained to be a journalist. I'm trained to report and do my job in a way that is fair. Um, and when you're a citizen journalist, you see things from a very specific perspective. During that time last summer, a big perspective was that, hey, this is happening and the news isn't covering it. Or you won't see this in the media. You won't see this in mainstream media. That was a big thing, like mainstream media. You still and see so, stuff like that when it's like, because you're not oh, yeah. watching mainstream media. It's on there, you idiot. Like you're just <laughs> Yeah. And so that was like a really big talking point for a lot of people. Like you won't see this in the in the news that I read or the news that I consume. Um, and so I think when she heard like that I was a reporter, she was like, no, you're going to twist my words. You're not going to report this in the way that I want it to be like reported. Um, but I'm I'm really only there to to understand like why you're there and to to report that. Like I'm I'm not going to put like write this in a in a certain narrative. I'm not, I'm not coming in here with an agenda. I literally just want to report what happens. That's my job. Yeah. Do you think the distrust comes from they've had just one instance and they're like, you know, all all news outlets do that? Or do you think it was just, again, just a general, it's just like you're part of the establishment? I mean, I'm if you not don't know someone's credentials, it could be, I could come up to you and be like, Hey, what's up? I'm from the Austin Good Time News, and you don't know that my news is a crazy Facebook article that, like, you know, I'm going to be like, Riot Antifa member works at Ben and Jerry's and messes up my Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, there's no way, you know what I mean? So there's, like, so much of that where it's like, wait, what news? Is it a real news station? Or are you weirdo Facebook news? Yeah, I don't know. I think um, lots of stuff led to, like, distrust. Um, I mean, if you look back at, I don't know, before, before the internet and before everyone had access to like all this information and like theories and everyone was able to create theories and create, you know, uh, streams of information, um, whether or not they be true or false. Um, I think most people did trust the media. I mean, people loved Walter Cronkite. <laughs> um, they trusted that man. And so until JFK, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just kind of like a general thing because there, there are people who do understand like what journalists do, but a big thing is just like media literacy. I don't know if, um, and it's a, it's a two way street, right? Like People don't understand like how journalists work and how do they do their jobs, but journalists also don't do a very good job at explaining what they do and why they do it and like how they do it. Like I'm here because I'm here to report what you, what, what is happening. I'm not here to report and, you know, tell a story from your perspective um, that pushes your agenda. Like that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to just literally report what's happening. And we, we do not do a good job at explaining that. And I think because people have a certain, mis like a certain um, like idea of what the media does, like, oh, you're here to highlight my story because I'm doing something awesome. Or like, you're here to talk about this and report on this or do a story on me because I'm really fantastic and it doesn't end up being the story they think it's going to be. That is where distrust starts. Um, because they, they don't understand. And again, it's, it's a two way street. We don't do a good job explaining it. And like people also just don't understand like how they, how we work. Do you think it's also because of, you know, kind of the, the two, the two major ones here in America, it's like Fox news and then MSNBC. They're just, they just have that stigma that one is right leaning, one is left leaning and like, people just assume like every news outlet has like a political kind of leaning. Like, do you think that might be another thing? It's just like, to me, it, it seems like it would be really hard to say like, Hey, I'm with the Dallas morning news. I'm just here to observe and report what I, you know, what's happening. I'm not here to like, I'm not, you know, we're not going to try and chop words and Frankenstein a, a sound bite of you talking to make it sound like, you know, 
you know, the, the cops are, you know, trying to make the streets run red with blood or something and try to push mm-hmm. our political agenda that, you know, all cops are bad. Like, do you think that also goes into it? Just trying to, like, destigmatize that there's, like, a political angle with reporting? Yeah, but that's really hard when you've got those two major, major um, uh, news stations or news organizations kind of, like, blasting all of their stories, all of their beliefs in, in one place. Because, like, we, we, do, we do try our best to be unbiased and to be fair um, in the way that we report. But um, I really do think people believe that there is no unbiased news organization. Like, and that comes from, like, a belief system point of view. Um, I think... Like, if you believe something, you're going to find something that matches your belief system, whether or not it's fact. Like, if you believe it's true, it's going to be true to you. And so I think it comes from, like, a belief system standpoint. But also, yeah, I think it's just going to be really hard. No matter what you report, whether it be, like, the fact that people died, someone's going to email me and say, well, how many survived? Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's, that's not they're only going to keep like pushing for what they believe in. So it's, it's all, I don't know if there's like even a way to like fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's kind of, go forward a few months here uh i want to talk a little bit about you know the vaccine rollout from your perspective you know reporting it and just seeing the rollout happen you know just kind of take us through that uh what what you were thinking internally if there's any still crazy people coming after you you know in those email threads being like well how about you report how many microchips are going into your bloodstream when you get when you take the first pfizer like you know just how many microchips do you go into your bloodstream when you take it <laughs> yeah like um, yeah <laughs> that that's a very uh so we went through the same process when testing was coming out and when the vaccines were rolling out okay. um so for both it was like incredibly hard to find a test and to find a vaccine at the very beginning like no one was really offering it and if they were offering it it was like to people who, so for the test, it was like people who are experiencing symptoms, like have a, you know, a fever of like 100 degrees or 102 or whatever, um, or more. Um, and like you either, you, you have to like have very clearly had the virus in order to be tested. And that's what it was like at the very beginning of the test. For the vaccines, it was like, you have to be like 60 or 65 or older. Um, you need to be like within a certain it, it was all like very specified. And so when the vaccines were rolling out, it was kind of like, okay, well, here we go again, like with the tests. And of course, at that point, tests were widely available. You could go and get a test wherever you want. Um, and it was like rapid or PCR, take your pick. And, you know, either one would be completely fine. Um, and for the vaccine, uh, the main frustration was just like being able to get it because it was like Texas, I think had like a really hard time just like distributing the vaccine at the beginning. Um, And then like no one could get their hands on one. So I was talking to like several people who were like, I'm, I'm, what is the term? It was like in, they were like at a higher health risk. Immunocompromised. Yeah. Not, not only immunocompromised, but like, let's say that they weighed a certain amount. Yeah. Dude, fat people had our moment. All fat What's people that? got early vaccines. <laughs> fat people were kings again for a second. It was All just, the fucking skinny peasants waiting yeah. and dying. Fat people were <laughs> shot. I got six of them, man. I got like 15. <laughs> I kept going back, dude. I said, fill me up. <laughs> um, did, wait, did you guys hear about that guy in like England um, who like he put his height down as like one, it was like 60 centimeters instead of like 60 inches or something like his, his like weight to height ratio was like ridiculous. And so they thought he was like really overweight. <laughs> um, he put down six centimeters, but he was six centimeters tall um, instead of like six feet tall. 
And he came in and was like, like to the office and was like, oh my God, I can't believe that like I was able to get a vaccine. Like I feel completely normal or like I thought I was like completely healthy. And they were like, well, your like ratio was like 6,000%. Like we thought you were like extremely obese and that's why you're here to get a shot. Um, but yeah, anyway, so it, you had to have like an underlying health condition. And so like these people were emailing me and telling me like, I have this, help me sign up for a shot. And it's like, I, I can't do that. Like you have to call these numbers. Here's a link to all the information that you could possibly want to know about how to get a vaccine. Um, and in that link are like other links to like, you know, find a vaccine. Um, here's a number to call. Here's like a website to sign up. I remember like Tarrant County and like Dallas County had like sign up forms and they were like, do this and we'll call you when it's your time. Um, yeah. But people were like, I need to drive three hours to go get my vaccine. Like I need it. Um, and so that was really frustrating. I spoke to lots of different people who were kind of like in that same range and it was just like, it was honestly like such a shit show from my perspective. Cause it was like, again, Texas had like a re relatively slow rollout compared to like, I think West Virginia was like doing amazing um, at like rolling out the vaccine. You could win but a free course, rifle if you got vaccinated in West Virginia. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Dude, I would have been, I really been vaccinated true? a dozen more times. Yeah. They were they had an auction where you like got a free rifle. Oh, well, okay. Well, there's that. Um, yeah, I think... Texas I is a big state, though. Yes, I was going to say, like, there are so many limitations. Because um, yeah. Texas has so many people. And then, of course, like... We're not the greatest at being up to date with our technology from the government side. So, you know, yeah. there was a lot of site crashes. And then, of course, yeah. the first people being able to get it being elderly. Like... Old people traditionally slow as hell. <laughs> True fact. Old people slow, <laughs> stinky. Their skin looks gross. I mean, when when I heard how they were doing it, like my bar was pretty low, and mm -hmm. the fact I was able to get the first shot in March, I was like, wow, I, I didn't think I'd actually get it this year. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah. yeah, like it. I I wish it could have gone faster, but that, that's weird. You kind of. It seems just like people will email you thinking like you're the plug on it or something like you got the hookup because it's yeah, like they're asking you for medical advice and then like, how you know, how do I fast track to get my vaccine? Yeah, um, that's again, a thing of like being a journalist is that a lot of this information is like public information. I just get paid to write about it. I'm <laughs> um, not trying to discredit like my career um but like a lot of this is public information um and so it, it is weird to me that like people will email me um things like you know looking for medical advice when i am clearly not authorized to do that something that like i do appreciate is when someone like needs clarification on something and it's like okay well that is something i can add to my story or you know i can make that clear in my story but yeah lots of people will email me good things but a lot of the stuff is also bad like i some of the emails i get are like pretty they're not great and a lot of it is really like they associate journalists with being like liberals and like democrats and so a lot of those emails fall along those lines all it's caps like, yeah, five exclamation points rag, dallas you know Dallas liberal news, Democrat news. Like it's like you could at least say like Democrat morning news, like at least make it fall in between like DMN. <laughs> yeah. I saw a newspaper out in Abilene called Buffalo Gap newspaper. You seen this? Uh-uh. Bro, it's in the car. Lost my shit. So the front page of it, it's like mailing vaccines and making you vaccinate yourself. Bet that works as well as mail-in ballots. And I was like, yeah, I'm picking this shit up. It's like <laughs> fucking 25 pages. And every single page is like, dude, what's crazy is there's multiple sections where sheriffs have their own little articles in it. And I'm like, that's a bad association. <laughs> and I saw that and I was like, yo, that's a bad look for you, big dog. Like already I'm like, yeah, please shady. And I see that. I'm like, okay, so you write for the, you know, the, 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 the it's, it's looks like a, 
like a like a crazier Infowars. Twenty five pages on the front. It's like this newspaper is anti socialism, and it's like that's an interesting stance for a newspaper too. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> I've been reading through, and like pretty much every article is the same. It's like a dude's essay, lyrical essay about shooting at someone. Tons of stories about people shooting at people, bad guys. Swear to God. And then about how like uh, oh yeah, a lot of stuff about like AOC, which is like this is a Texas newspaper. She doesn't even live here. It's wild. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, yeah, best newspaper I've ever read. I'm going to try to get it in Austin. <laughs> it is some of the wildest shit I've ever seen out there. And I'm like, this is the news I want to read. I'm like, I want to be in one of these again? tunnels. Buffalo Gap newspaper. Buffalo Gap newspaper. Okay, yeah, literally never heard of it, but it sounds interesting. I'll have to find it. It's an issue. So worth it. I'm like, I want to be a, I'm going to start like writing in stuff <laughs> and see if I can be published and just like say stuff. Cause it's like you said, you can just say stuff and you're a source of information now. You know, you mean like citizen reporter? That's me. I'm going to write in there and just beg bananas proven to make you shorter. <laughs> Publish me, baby. Obama sneaking Muslim thought into math books. Publish me and they'll, they'll eat it up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I guess I want to be a reporter too now. Oh man. <laughs> I want if I was going to be a reporter, I'd write for something like that where you can just make stuff up. They'd be like, "Where are you getting this info from?" I'd be like, oh, "Beautiful mind, baby." <laughs> the mind of God. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got any more questions, JT? Anything? Or you got any questions for us, Natalie? I mean, I Yeah, any questions for us? <laughs> <laughs> any any questions? <laughs> I actually want to see, like, from, like, your perspective, I mean, what is a, what does a journalist do? Man, uh, write stories. Listen, write stories about it, get it out there. If I had to put it into two words, observe, report. It's just, you know, kind of like what you said, you go on the scene, you know, get some people to talk about it, and you're like, this is what happened at this time, at this place, here are the facts. You know, you can you can take it from there. Go to page eleven, and there's the there's like the op-ed part. When did when did you realize that though? Because like media literacy again is like something I'm very interested in, and I wonder like, did you learn that in college? Did you know that as a child? Were you born with it? <laughs> I was just born knowing how how journalistic integrity works. <laughs> Um, no, it, it kind of happened when I was in, in high school, uh, I was taking some dual credit courses through community college and, you know, it was, it was just like the, all, you know, all the conservatives fear, you know, your kid goes off to college and becomes a liberal and educated and I don't think I'm media literate. I don't even know how to be media literate. (laughs) Like I read a lot of news, but like, I don't think I'm media literate. You know what I mean? When you asked him how he became liter- media literate, and it's like, I don't get to pop out of Zeus's head fully formed. I have no idea where it even begin to be a, a media literate guy. How do you even begin to be that? What what does media literate mean outside of just like reading news? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think like understanding, you know, how to, how like a, what is considered like, bias is like a a pretty big step it's like okay so they're telling one side are they going to tell the other like when i when i finish reading this story what is the conclusion that i'm going to make not what is given to me yeah you know like you should be able to come to your own conclusion when you when you read a story like exactly you know how you feel about something um and again that that kind of relies on like belief systems um but also the facts presented in the story um, it's also being able to read something on the internet and not take it at face value, um, and not believing everything that you read on the internet. Um, I think that's a really big part of media literacy because, you know, you can, people will like workshop those like weird YouTube videos and say like, oh, you know, this really interesting thing happened to an octopus and it's because he had, you know, cancer. Or something. It's like, well, is that true? We- <laughs> the famous viral cancer octopus. <laughs> I remember like four years ago, I used to read the Austin Chronicle every week. And I think it's a fucking just garbage can of a newspaper. But I'd read it every week. And I remember one time there was this big article that said police involved shooting like four times. And I was like, mm-hmm. 
that's such a crazy way to say cop shot at. And so I tweeted at the guy that wrote it. I was like, why do you keep using this phrasing that was looked like it was made by an HR company about a dude's murder? Like, what's going on there? And he blocked me. And I was like, huh. But that was the crazy. I was like, Austin Chronicle. Bad. I was like, that is nuts. But I see that all the time. And it's like, where it's like, man, that looks like a cop told you to write that, bro. It looks like you called the police station and they gave you the facts and you just rewrote it and published it right off. And it's weird seeing like the Austin Chronicle just well, be like, yeah, you know. Well, the the Austin Chronicle is kind of like the Dallas Observer. It's it's like the tabloid newspaper. And they, it they've just always works been... for businesses. It's like, hey, what's the five best patios to have beers in in Austin? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, so you make mm-hmm. little commercials for businesses as news. It it Got is. It. Yeah, they're they're more opinionated, and I I rem- well didn't the didn't the entire Chronicle handle like block you? Yeah, Austin Chronicle blocked me for a while. They referred to me as a nerd do well one time. Yeah. Oh and, my god. Uh, like another what thing were is. What you tweeting? I'm just kidding. What was that? I was like, what were you tweeting? <laughs> oh, I was just threatening journalists. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it, it was. It I was go on there to threaten thing. reporters. Yeah, it's the cop stuff. It's wild. I don't like. I see reporters all the time just write in a way where it's like. They they use passive language intentionally when they talk about police violence, and that's like the thing that like I see in national news, and it's weird to see it in local news. But it's like mm-hmm. that's clearly like some editor desk being like, "Hey, we don't say cop shot at or you know cops brutally murdered in the street. We say police involved shooting." And there's like tons of little tricks like that that I see. But it's like I don't know, see it all the time. Well, that's, that's actually sorry. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say like another thing like that you know doing like college English class because it's like you fully understand what a persuasive essay is at that point. <laughs> well, you, you should, but like seeing articles, it's like this reads more like a persuasive essay than it does like them just telling me what happened. And like you said, you know, forming your own opinions after that, it's like, they're trying to tell me how to think and feel. And mm-hmm. I don't like that from the liberal media or the government. <laughs> That was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I like to, I read like every news station on my phone. I have updates for every single one. I've gotten like 25 since we started talking. And my favorite is when like they come out with the same story at the same time. And it's like, you can kind of see, it's like, man, they just, they, it's like the same exact story will pop up and it'll be like almost the same words from two different stations. And I'm like, how did I get this on my phone? That's so weird. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like the, I got. I was notified when Hurricane Ida made landfall, and I was like, I got like seven notifications, and I was like, no shit, wow, that's crazy. Um, all at once, like an hour ago. Um, I did want to say something though about um, the the police involved stuff. Uh, that it's a conversation that like we had had um, last summer, like during the the protests and shortly after the protests, just like trying to figure out how we report crime briefs that we get from police because a lot of crime briefs that we write are reports, they're police reports. And of course that is from a police officer's perspective. Um, And so we've started like the reason why we say, you know, like man 25 found dead in you know downtown Dallas police say like we always reference that police said it because that prevents it's kind of like a a law thing like we don't want to be the ones to say it because the police told us that this had happened and so it, it protects us from like a law perspective but of course it is only telling one perspective and so like we had a really really um long meeting just about like how do we how do we report what the police say and then report when it happened and like how it happened from like another person's perspective. And like, it's, it's really hard. It's really, really hard to do that because a lot of these, these crimes happen like overnight. We're not there actually seeing it happen. Um, I would say like one of the best ways to like kind of tell both sides of the story is when police gives us information. Um, or police give us information. So something like, you know, let's say someone was arrested and they give us the dash cam footage and they tell us one thing, but the dash cam footage tells us another thing. Um, that's something, that's a way for us to be able to balance the reporting. It's not possible for every single 
case and every single brief that we do, but we do try to gather as much information as possible in a crime brief. Um, and again, like police involved shooting, we, we've stopped saying that because it again tells it's from the perspective of the police officer and it doesn't include like who shot first. Yeah. It always says stuff like two left dead after police involved shooting. And it's like the story is well, police broke into their home with a warrant that was no knock. And then they shot both of them dead. And it's like a police involved shooting is such a crazy way to describe that. You know what I mean? To just call that a police involved. You know what I mean? That's just such a wild. And I see that in every type of newspaper, but you Uh, guys stop. What do you guys say instead now? We say, um, police officer killed or shot if that, if that person died like police officer shot um 25 year old and then you know authorities say because that's what the police told us they sure. said like a police officer shot someone so we write a police officer shot someone um because that's exactly what happened like police involved shooting is just such a it is a weird term that i i before i was reporting on breaking news i didn't like fully understand why we did that it's but too it's because vague. the police were we're putting it in that narrative. Like that's the narrative that they had given to us. And then we were just taking it and like writing it up. And so we did, it's unfortunate that it took so long for us to realize that like it took until last summer for us to really talk about that. Um, But that was a change that we, we had made. Hmm. This is the time to plug whatever you want, your Twitter handle, Instagram. Um, If you want to tell kids not to do drugs, this is the time to do it. Yeah, I mean, you. I highly sub- recommend subscribing to any local news outlet. If you live in Dallas, um, the Dallas Morning News is a fantastic resource um, and a good source of information as well. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Natalie Keough, N-A-T-A-L-Y-K-E-O. Um, and then, yeah, just follow my Twitter. My Instagram is not as interesting. <laughs> it's more dog pictures there. It really is. I do love my dog. He's pretty cool. What kind of dog you got? He's a pity. He's a pity terrier. Um, his name is Lennox. He's six or not six. We've had him for about six months, um, but he's three years old and he's super chill, super cool. Nice. All right. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for coming into the Fart Locker with us, blowing our minds Thanks. with kind of the in, the inside scoop of being a reporter. Uh, I think we I think we both learned a lot. And again, we, you know, we appreciate your time and, uh, anytime you need us to, uh, cause some shit for you to report on, you know, we're more than happy to, we are, we are loyal foot soldiers of Natalie K. Yeah. You need some news. Thank we'll make you. some news. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for, uh, keeping me busy. Um, and thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much.